suburban eastern Australia, an environment that has, over time, evolved some extraordinarily unique groups of Homo sapiens. Despite the reputation of their homeland, some are remarkably thin-skinned, some seem to have multiple lifespans, a few were once thought to be extinct in the region, others have been observed being sacrificed by their own. But today, we observe a small tribe akin to a group of meerkats that gather together atop a small mound to watch, question, and discuss the current events of their city, their country, and their world at large. Let's listen keenly and observe this group fondly known as the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Well, hello there, dear listener. This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast, episode 328. And uh, something a little bit different on this episode, I wanted to talk about a few things, solo almost, but also I wanted to get some input from you, the, the dear listener. So there's a general invitation on this one to come on board and have a chat. So if you're watching the live stream, there'll be details about the link. I've already sent it to the patrons, so they'll, they've got a head start. But if you're keen to chip in and talk about stuff, then hit the link and you'll enter the green room and Joe's going to help me out and kick out any trolls who might try to enter. And uh, Shay's not here because it wasn't really intended to be a panel discussion, so... I didn't invite Shay and Jay sort of just helping out more on the tech side. But anyway, this is the Iron Fist Velvet Glove podcast, talking about news and politics, sex and religion. One of the things that's really struck me in the last few weeks has just been the propaganda I see in relation to Ukraine, China, various other things, and just the way that we're subjected to it, even from sources that would probably try and be neutral, but they're actually just promoting the standard narrative line, such as the ABC. So really want to talk about the influence of the media and really trying to look at what are some independent media sources that we can look at because I've just got the feeling that, well, more than just the feeling, the mainstream media is letting us down and even independent ABC is letting us down a lot. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about mainstream media, manufacturing consent, what are the other choices we've got in terms of of sources of, of information. And I want you to tell me what your sources of information are. I'm going to tell – I'm going to show me – I'm going to show you mine if you show me yours type of situation. So let's do that. If you don't want to do it live, if you don't want to join us and do it by video and audio, then in the chat room tell us – what news sources you rely on that you feel give you, if not an independent view, at least an alternative view that you put with the other things. So if you're exposed to a lot of right-wing media normally, what what left-wing do you read or see and how do you balance it out? So, yeah, that's what we'll get on to. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about was Shay mentioned last week about, you know, would you make a run in the Senate? Why wouldn't you do it? And I said, look... It's impossible to get traction. And really what I want to say is there that no one in the regular world will care enough to start a movement that's going to vote for Trevor Bell or anybody like me. And as proof of that, nobody in the regular world is going to be interested in what I say. Um, 
my argument is that no one in the secular rational world cares enough about what we're doing here on this podcast, let alone in the normal world. So I was thinking about episode 327, which I did on the 15th of February, titled Forgotten Atheist. And that was the episode where I basically went through the religious discrimination bill, basically from start to finish, its origin, you know. Now, I know that that was a pretty good rundown of the religious discrimination bill, its origins, city point at the start and at the end, the ethical arguments surrounding it, the interesting things that happened in the parliament in Hansard, who voted. Like, that was a fairly decent rundown of the religious discrimination bill. And groups like the Rationalists and the National Secular Lobby, that's right in their wheelhouse, that topic. Yet, you know, the Rationalists put out a newsletter and no mention of my podcast. The National Secular Lobby puts out a weekly rap, no mention of the podcast. Like, now, they all know who I am. And if I, if I contacted them and said, hey, I did this podcast, episode 327, you know, religious discrimination bill, you want to put a link in your next newsletter. I'm sure they would, but do I have to ask every time? Especially when, you know, Stan Grant will write an article saying outlandish things about the wonders of Christianity and they'll all link to it and write about it and talk about it. He didn't have to ring up the National Secular Lobby or email the rationalists and say, hey, can you put a link in for me? Like they just did it. So It was on the ABC, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the point. Like, they're actually more willing to put links to stuff that's, that argues against their case than they are to put up a link from someone like me who's actually providing a framework and information that, you know, call me silly, but is, would be of value to their members. It's a strange... It's a strange phenomenon where these groups, you know, if, if I was some crazy Christian pastor making outrageous statements about how bad atheists are, they'd be linking to me all the time. But I put up a, a half-decent episode giving a full background on the religious discrimination bill. Silence. Crickets. You know, Joe, am I well, being are precious? They watching is the other question. What's that? Are they actually listening? Probably not. Like, indeed, probably not. I'd be thinking, well, what am I going to learn from Trevor, you know? But, so that's my argument, Shay, next time you're trying to talk me into running for the Senate is I'm not going to get ordinary people interested in what I've got to say because I can't even get, you know, the, the national secular lobby or the rationalists or people like that to be interested. You're going to say well, something so to Shay, Shay did have a point, which mm. was <clears throat> if you were running as a Satanist, that would be enough of a show card enough of a draw card mm. to get the press, the popular press, interested. Mm. I don't think so. And, and, and <laughs> Shay's comment is, oh, diddums. <laughs> That's good, Shay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm having a – like, it's not a whinge. I'm not actually – you know, I could. I could email him every week and say, oh, this particular one is of interest. You might want to link to it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If it's not going to well, maybe not every week. Yeah, if it's not going to happen um, naturally, then it's just not going to happen, is it? So there you go, Shay. That's sort of uh, a reason why I won't be doing it. And yeah, you know, I, I think they're in a bit of a mindset of linking to articles in mainstream media. So if I'd appeared in the Courier Mail and a, and a twenty-five word sound grab was printed, they would link to it. But 
when I give a 45-minute detailed explanation in my own podcast, then they won't. There's sort of a mindset they're in. So the other thing is, dear listener, you know, what about you? When was the last time you were in some forum or somewhere and you said to your colleagues or friends or whatever, oh, Iron Fist Velvet Glove did a podcast on this, here's the link. Like, and, you know, it just doesn't happen, does it? It's very hard to generate viral interest in things. We're behind the eight ball. But having said that, I, I take some blame in this whole matter. <laughs> and really is, you know, I haven't asked you to, have I? You know, I haven't suggested it enough. I haven't made you feel guilty enough. And, and I haven't made it easy by creating little shareable video bite-sized snippets. So haven't created an easy way for you to do it. and Somebody yeah. did ask to share your rant the other day. Yes, that's right. Somebody did, which made me sort of think about it because it was like the first time in ages. So maybe I'll remind you a bit more often and maybe we'll create some little video snippets and things like that. If anyone wants to help with that, let us know. Okay, who's in the chat room? So Shailene says, get Joe to do it. Good on you, Shailene. Tom, the warehouse guy. Tom, the warehouse guy, by the way, everybody, was uh, at the bar table with me with my uh, Supreme Court action, and he has just got qualified as a solicitor just the other day. So congratulations, Tom. So now you're going to the bar to celebrate. He's going to celebrate. No doubt he already has. And as the years go by, we'll be calling on Tom, the warehouse guy, to help us out in a few other legal actions, and he can do a much better job of it than I did. Craig B says, mentioned you at least half a dozen times last year at work across a range of topics. Good on you, Craig B. Thank you for that. That makes me feel good. So. I have to say I've um, referred off to the modern monetary theory ah, yes. uh, episode a few times. Right. Thank you. Pointed people and said, hey, have a look at this in-depth interview on this. Oh, that was with Stephen Hale. It was. Camille said, I sent a link to the Black Lives Deaths in Custody episode to my uni study group chat. Went down like a lead balloon. <laughs> I'm sure it did. Yeah. Yeah, that was when we were talking about the statistics. And in fact, once you were in jail slightly higher percentage of white people dying in custody than black people, of course. But, but it didn't match their confirmation bias and therefore yeah. they didn't like it. We mentioned that your chances of going to jail were much higher as a black person, but once you were actually in, the statistics told a different story. Yeah. So what I want you to do, well, we're going to talk about some of the media, mainstream media, what they've been doing, and we're going to talk about some suggestions for ways of expanding our knowledge. So we get sort of alternative viewpoints. And what I want you to do in the chat room is tell me the blogs, the podcasts, the independent media, people on Twitter that you follow that you feel gives you a viewpoint that you don't get in the normal media that people subscribe to. Send me some suggestions. I'm actually finding podcasts... Not many out there that are holding me in at the moment. I've sort of dipped my toe in a few and have just uh, fallen out of love with them fairly quickly. There's not. A, I'm looking for some podcasts if people have got some recommendations. I'll have some a bit later on. So now, is our is Dom still there? He disappeared again. Yeah, he is. He's um, all right. I am here. here you can hear me. All right, Dom. What here do you want can. to before I kick off on things? What are you up to, Dom? What do you want to? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I drive seven days a week, so I don't get a lot of time to do to look at magazines and, and listen to articles and stuff. So my most of my political exposure is you guys. Yes. And, and if something comes up in the show notes, something I'm interested in, I'll go and look at it later. But, yeah, when 
they just, for some reason they don't like me reading while I'm driving. They get very upset about it. The police and the general public and the boss, they all get very upset if I if I like for example at the moment while I'm talking to you guys, I'm currently building a model kit and they don't like me sort of having something like that up in front of my face while I'm driving. Yeah, that's Everyone fair enough. Everyone gets really upset for some reason. I don't know why. So Dom, what have so, I said in the last three months that you've disagreed with and you've gone, he's talking shit there. Like he's I'm with you all the way, Trevor, but you've gone too far. Not much, really. All right, you're on board on everything. <laughs> yeah, no, 99 percent. Right. Not anything that immediately comes to mind. If you're in the chat room and I've said something in the last three months yeah. where I've overstepped and you're thinking, He's, I've jumped the shark, I've gone crazy, tell me now. I'm keen to hear. I'm keen. I'm up for an argument. The 12th man has no. not been around no, for, there's, there's, for there's, ages there's, and I'm up for an argument. So you're disappointing me, Dom. The thing is, I've... I think my opinions line up pretty directly with yours. And the 12th man not being there means there's not that banter and not that discussion bordering quite often on arguments. And yes, yeah, I, I, when he, when, when the 12th man was still around, there was, there was respect there, but there was, it was almost to the point of virtual fisticuffs. I mean, you, <laughs> you disagreed on many things quite vehemently and yes. it was great. Yes. Um, if it had been a schoolyard situation, there would have been a whole bunch of us certainly go, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> but no, it, was, it was good. I, I like getting, because as I say, mm. the way I think is, is pretty closely aligned with what you think. But it's good to have someone else who, who always is the, 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 the polar opposite going, mm. look, you're talking out your ass, especially when he was talking about things like um, – masks and lockdowns and stuff like that we know what's happened now but yeah but it's good to have someone it's too easy especially with social media to get into these echo chambers where everyone just reflects the same thing that you think mm. so it's good to go onto sites where people think the opposite to you and go okay explain to me why the earth is hollow why david ike is right and get into those sort of fun yeah things. it was getting a bit I, exhausting I getting into debates with people yeah. that i disagree with it was getting a bit exhausting with Paul, though, by the end. And we pretty much knew our positions and we weren't budging and yeah. there was a, hitting a lot of roadblocks. So so yeah. we had a good run for a long time. We sort of got but to we, a bit of a stalemate. But we did actually yeah. hit some roadblocks yeah. there where we just couldn't go beyond. And, and I think we finished at the right time there and things move on and, and here we are. Well, Dom, if you're not going to argue with me and you're not going to – what else do you listen to? <laughs> what other podcasts? Because I'm going to bounce you off unless you're going to tell me something. You're going to argue with me or you're going to tell me – what other podcasts you've been listening to or other information you've been getting that you find useful? Uh, I mostly listen to the mostly listen to the Puzzle and a Thunderstorm guys, which has nothing to do with this at all. God-awful movies. Actually, Citation yeah. Needed is an interesting one because right. the way that they describe it is they listen to one, they read one article on Wikipedia, which makes them an expert, and then they discuss it for an hour. So Okay. There we go. I well, don't listen to a lot of political podcasts. I, I yeah. just I read three articles from the John Menady blog, and that makes me an expert. And I discuss it for an hour, so we've got that in common. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right, Dom. Well, by the way, for those who don't know, Dom attended the uh, satanic dinner we had at Noosa, and he had his limousine there, and we all climbed in and got a photo shoot at one point as well. So <laughs> that was a, that was a good night. Yeah, it that was, was. Fun. and just yeah. a strange thing to do in Noosa: a bunch of satanists heading into a limousine for a photo shoot. So that was a good night. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Dom, I'm going to bounce time. you off yeah. so I can keep going. And thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, later. All right, that was Dom. Okay, if you're in the chat room, there's a link there. Come talk to us. I won't bite, I promise. Okay. 
What's happening at the moment? Apparently, Russia has moved troops and tanks into the Donbass region, and the world is wondering, are we headed for a serious conflict? And my best guess would be that they'll take and secure that Donbass region and the rest of the world will impose sanctions, but they won't actually make a serious military effort to try and kick them out because it'll be too difficult. This isn't some ragtag Al-Qaeda or Taliban group here. This is the Russian army and in a position of relative strength and the US normally picks on much smaller targets in terms of easier targets, if you like. So I would have thought probably secure the region and the world will continue to impose even more sanctions. Joe? That's what BBC is reporting. They've said that they're looking at various ways of attacking Putin and his cabinet's personal assets hidden around the world. I know that one of the minister's luxury, whatever it was, 300-metre-long yacht Mm. sailed early out of uh, a European port where it was undergoing repairs right? because they were worried that it was going to get seized. Yes, indeed. So it should be. So so they were trying to move um, Mm. assets very rapidly out of Europe. The, when I did that uh, talk on super imperialism, Michael Hudson was saying that, you know, the US has already been applying a lot of sanctions onto Russia and it sort of backfired because they ended up broadening their economy and because they couldn't import things, they actually started making things internally, which made them more or less impervious to these sort of boycotts from the US. So... That remains to be seen how well they've done that, but that was his sort of argument was that that the sanctions that had already been in place on Russia had 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 the effect of causing Russia to to broaden and 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 diversify its economy, so it could produce the things that it couldn't get out of the West. And if that's the case, um, they might feel like, well, we don't care what sanctions you put on us. We'll just uh, do what we're doing and we'll deal with China and we'll deal with Iran and we'll deal with the people we've been dealing with and we really don't care. It's entirely possible. Well, but, I think the biggest one is hmm. if if the EU stopped taking their gas. Correct. That's the big one. Yep. And and instead buy it from the US via ships or something like that. But I, I know that um, UK are having a major problem with heating costs right. at the moment, saying that the, the gas prices have gone up, probably because um, they were worried that this was going to happen and they mm-hmm. would lose access to Russian gas. Yep. It'll be a tricky decision for the Germans and the rest when Russia says, mm-hmm. well, we're happy to supply you with gas and it's at this price here. Of course, you can buy from America at twice the price if you like, but... We're perfectly willing to sell it to you if you want to take it. So then, of course, the US will impose sanctions on the Germans or others for dealing with Russia. That's the sort of thing that they do. I was listening to this um, lady talking about Cuba. She was been visiting Cuba and basically if a ship delivers something to Cuba, it's banned from all US ports for six months. So that's one of the reasons why. And if any company is to sell anything into Cuba that's got more than 10% of its componentry is American, then they suffer severe financial hardships. So 
So poor old Cuba has certainly been battered by um, these sanctions in Venezuela for that matter. But, you know, China and Russia and whatever are, are a different kettle of fish. So interesting to see how well Russia can keep going. Eric in the chat room says, perhaps we are all in Trevor's silo. Nobody wants to ring up and agree or disagree with me. Maybe that's the case. And then he asks, can the EU really afford to get gas that way, though? I don't know. What do you mean, Eric? Can they really afford to get gas from the Americans? Craig B says, come to think of it, I listen to the IFVG for my alternative viewpoint, to be honest. Thanks, Craig. That's good. So, yeah, so that's what's happening. But I, I thought we were all brainwashed sheeple. Yes, I thought so as well. Okay, just locally, we've got an election coming up in May. Scott Morrison, I mean, he's done a terrible job in terms of the vaccines and the just the general response to COVID. He's clearly running an election campaign. The last one was on jobs and growth. The current one is, is just this car key election. He's Jesus, guns and babies. <laughs> Jesus, guns and babies. That's it. Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't talked much about babies yet. Just Jesus and guns, isn't it? So for the Christians out there, he's your man and military stuff. This whole, really their election campaign based on the last couple of weeks is really one of national security and who's going to keep Australia safe from the bad guys. That's oh, and it. lying about how the Chinese were trying to influence the Labour Party. Yes. Manchurian candidate. Where, to the point where the head of the security services said, no, we've not said anything of the sort. Yes. And for them to make a public statement is incredibly rare. Indeed. Yeah. You just wonder how much in the normal, the normal Joes who don't pay attention, how much of it seeps through. I'm going to deal with the chat room regularly in tonight's episodes. Shailene, Michael Costello, former head of DFAT, was on 7am today and yesterday, and it was excellent. That's to do with what you were just talking about. Camille says, I listen to left, right and centre for American politics occasionally. Catherine Murphy's Ozpol podcast, big Sam Harris fan, and I do enjoy Trevor's silo most, though. That's good. So, you know, Sam Harris, he's... he's He's completely blind to the whole US freedom democracy type argument. I mean, he had a panel of people on the other day, Anne Applebaum, David Frum, and really the whole tone of the conversation was American is a, is a beacon of freedom and democracy and why is it that we're having trouble promoting that idea around the world sort of thing? Like Ask Julian Assange. Yes, indeed. So... He's, he's good, Sam. He's intellectually honest, but he never talks about economics, Sam Harris. I've never heard him talk about economics and, and power plays in terms of the world and economics. He's very good on individual rights, freedoms, freedom of speech and the conflicts between religion and freedom. All that, he's pretty good, even with identity politics stuff. The stuff he says there, I mostly agree with, but his worldview is doesn't pay nearly enough attention to money, power, in my opinion. Anyway, still will chip in and listen to his occasional one. Eric V says, I watch and read mainstream media for an opposite view to my own. <laughs> yep. And, and yeah, Reds under the... Like, we really do have a Reds under the bed scare campaign happening at the moment. And... 
I can remember when Hawke was coming into power, the dying days of the Fraser government, and and Fraser tried a Reds unbed campaign, but he was also doing a, you know, the economy will be stuffed under Labor uh, line. So Hawke made this joke that Fraser is telling everybody that you'll need to hide your money under your bed, but you can't do that because that's where the Reds are hiding, something like that. So, and he was just laughing about it because it was, that's literally what it had got to, gotten down to. I think, I think it would be good for Albanese to just start laughing at Morrison. I think that's, I think that's really effective when somebody is so he, bad is you start laughing. to do that in Parliament? Uh, in Parliament? Laugh at him? Sure. Yeah. Anything's, any, you can do anything there. You just can't call somebody a, a liar, liar or corrupt. Yeah. You can't make an outright allegation like that. That's unparliamentary. But and it, not to another MP, but no. to anyone else. Yeah. Fair game. Did Did you see um, Clive, by the way, yeah. claiming that three of Australia's politicians had been members of the Palmer United? Sorry, the uh, Great Australia Party or United Australia Party. And you know, apparently he cancelled his National Press Club luncheon speech today. Why the hell did they invite him? Where is there? Uh, because he's a thought leader. Where is there? I don't know. I don't know what you call it. No shame. Like, why didn't they just, whoever came up with the idea of let's have Clive talk, and somebody stop and say, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. Maybe he's not been vaccinated. Yeah. Apparently because of COVID symptoms. Yeah. Shay, you're chipping in as much as you as you ever do, and you're just doing it via the messaging here. This is going to be a rambling episode, I can tell already. Okay, yeah, Morrison, and it's clearly lining up as he can't say anything about the economy because the deficit has just blown out. He can't say anything about unemployment because it's not looking good. He can't hang his hat on the usual things that he'd like to, he can't find anything because Labor is just agreeing to with everything he does in terms of immigration, boat deporting, New Zealanders, you know, whatever he tries to pick up as a topic, Labor is just saying, yeah, we agree with you. So really he's down to, he's down to China and again Labor is agreeing with him and in fact has a far more consistent line on China than the Liberals do. The, the hypocrisy of the Liberals in relation to China is breathtaking. And this is the thing that gets me with mainstream media is they will repeat the assertions of Dutton and, and Morrison and whatnot as they make them in the current day without any reference to how much the Liberals were bleating only... only four or five years ago about how wonderful China was and criticising the Labor Party for having the temerity to criticise China over its human rights. And in particular, like, like the, the human rights aspect with the Uyghurs and, and you know, oh, we, they're horrible, the Chinese, that Liberals wanted to sign an extradition treaty with China. And Labor said, no, we can't do that. And the Liberals criticised them. It's going, oh, you're going to offend our Chinese 
partners here. We've got this marvellous partnership arrangement and you're endangering it. This was only four or five years ago. So, you know, they're struggling to find areas of difference and they're completely manufacturing a difference with the Labor Party that doesn't exist on a, on ground where actually the Labor Party can can just take the sit on top of the hill and pop them off because they've got a much better credentials for having taken on the the, the Chinese. Do you want to say something, Joe? Or no? I was trying to copy Shay's link, but oh, no. I okay stuck it up. Okay. So let me just try and find this. Yeah, I'm going to try and find the right one. This is. This is where we don't get the story on the hypocrisy of the Liberal Party. Like, you just don't get it in the mainstream media. And I was on Twitter and Kevin Rudd has basically produced some video which demonstrates what the Liberals were saying only a few short years ago and how they were criticising Labor for criticising China. It goes on for a bit. But I'll play this and because you just don't see it anywhere else. We'll, we'll play this one and have a look. I have never heard a Chinese leader declare that his country would be fully democratic by 2050. Taking President Xi's assurances at face value. It's absolutely clear that there are human rights abuses in Tibet. Brendan Nelson criticised him for making the, uh, the comments publicly. Brendan Nelson said, I don't know whether it's wise to have broadcasted as publicly as he seems to be doing. Now that's pathetic, isn't it? And the granting of a visa to Uyghur separatist leader Rabia Qadir. Former Immigration Minister Philip Ruddock says it was a mistake. Julie Bishop mounting an argument which had only one conclusion, that, that was that Ms Qadir should not have been allowed into Australia. A statement which is sure to please Beijing, Mr Downer says in the case of a military clash over Taiwan, the ANZUS Treaty with Washington is symbolic and that Canberra would not side with Taiwan. Last week, the Prime Minister appeared to back in Beijing's approach instead of Australia's. But did he make a mistake in that comment? No. Landbridge's control of Darwin Port has caused considerable angst within Australia's defence community and annoyed American allies. Even concerned the US President Barack Obama who raised the issue directly with Malcolm Turnbull. We have to act in the, in the interest, the national interest of our country. That's what's happened in the port of Darwin. The meeting revealed by the ABC was set up by former Liberal Senator Santo Santoro, now a lobbyist to whom Mr Huang allegedly paid thousands of dollars to secure the private lunch with Mr Dutton. Former Trade Minister Andrew Robb has begun working for the Chinese company, which last year controversially gained control of Darwin's port. If, if people are suggesting anything about it, then, then frankly, uh, they're impugning our finest ever Trade Minister and they're doing it without any basis at all. Andrew Robb has accused Australia's security agencies of spreading anti-China sentiment. If I could see the reason for it, fine. But the evidence is not there. We see a lot of nose touching by the security people. If you only knew what I know, you'd be, you'd be horrified. Well, tell us. The emphasis on naval power is a direct response to China's increased military spending. The opposition says that's confusing. It makes no sense for Australia in 2009 to base its long-term strategy on the highly contentious proposition that Australia is on an inevitable collision course with a militarily aggressive China. The Chinese agree. 
The nation's shipbuilding industry is fighting for survival as the government considers where to buy its next submarines from. You wonder why I wouldn't trust them to build a canoe. Marking the end of car manufacturing in this country. The move, which followed security advice from ASIO, has sparked furious denials from the company's Australian board members, who include former Foreign Minister Alexander Downer. Andrew Robin, Malcolm Turnbull suggested that maybe the ban could be lifted on the Chinese communications company. This is just completely absurd. I have also uh, reassured China that uh, so-called quadrilateral dialogue with India is not something that we are pursuing. This is the fifth year in a row that the Australian government has cut Australian aid. China wants to have more Belt and Road cooperation with the Pacific Island nations. It's very much in our national interest for us to have an extradition treaty uh, with China. It was signed by the former Prime Minister John Howard's government in 2007. It does remain the policy of the Australian government. With a comprehensive strategic partnership established, this is a historic and memorable day. We have a, a strong and growing comprehensive strategic partnership with China. We're one of a relatively small number of countries that have a comprehensive strategic partnership. When we have a comprehensive strategic partnership uh, at official status uh, with China and that's something we take very seriously and we work very hard on to maintain. Well there you go. Like that wasn't that long ago that all that was happening. They are so and they're saying they're, they're going to go into this next election saying well clearly we're the party that you can rely on to stand up to China. <laughs> That's their best shot so far. I was just making... Except it seems like the retirement plan for all of their ministers is to go and work for Chinese companies. Indeed, Diana. Rob, you have to ask, what happened? What happened between then and now that they are so anti-China? What happened? They got in government. <laughs> they, they were in government during all that. They were in... They were, they, were, they were in government. What happened was, what happened, dear listener, was we had a pandemic and Scott Morrison said, we need weapons inspector-like powers to go into these countries and find out what's really going on, meaning people just going into China and wandering around the wet markets and poking around. Basically, well, I, I think they wanted to go into the weapons, or not the weapons, the research labs. Well, wherever they wanted to, they wanted basically weapons inspector-like powers. Now, when we talk about weapons inspector-like powers, this is what we had with Iran, where mm -hmm. we cut a deal with them and we said we're going to let you back into the world community, but we're worried you're going to make a nuclear bomb. So essentially, our satellites are going to be looking at your territory twenty-four-seven. And if we see a suspicious movement of vehicles or a suspicious building, we will demand the right to enter any building that we want to go into just to check that you're not building a nuclear bomb there. And if you agree to that, then we'll let you enter the world's economic community again. And Iran said, oh, okay. They complied with everything. Donald Trump, of course, said, I just don't like Iran and cancelled the whole deal. So and Iran said, well, we'll start making nuclear weapons again. But... You know, that's the sort of what weapons inspector powers mean. And that's what Morrison came out with and said. And what did China say in return? Well, guess what? 
maybe we don't need that shipment of barley, that wine. We'll still take your iron ore because we need that. There's a few things here. So they essentially said, not happy with you. We're not going to buy your stuff. We're a customer and we are withdrawing our purchases from you is essentially what happened. They didn't, you know, start pointing missiles at us that weren't pointed before. They didn't do anything overtly military. The ships that are floating around in territorial waters that are getting lasers, that are, that are shooting lasers up, they were always there. Like, that's all that happened was Morrison said, oh, we need weapons inspector-like powers, without any regard to the history of China, the 100 years of embarrassment, and the idea that, uh, that they could just be pushed around and China said, no, we are not copying that from you guys and we're going to withhold buying some stuff from you. Now, if Australia had just shut up, then it all would have recommenced within six to 12 months and we'd be back, back on board. But no, they just had to crank up the pressure the whole time and argue that China is the bad guys. And that's how we've ended up from the video that you've just listened to, to where China is just increasingly militant and they're the monsters of the world in a few short years. Does anybody out there disagree with me? What do we got here? Event horizon, gain of function inspection, actually not an entirely silly idea as long as both parties agree to it, there's little downside. Is that the weapons inspection stuff? I'm not sure if that's no, what no, you're referring this, to. This is around viral so basically, gain of function is we take a virus, we see if it can gain functions to make it more deadly. Right. So that's that's what was um, happening in the Wuhan lab. And there's all sorts of conspiracy theories that mm. they engineered this SARS virus to be particularly deadly mm. and that it that's how it had leaked, mm. was that it was a human-engineered supposedly for the reason they do it is to go what's the next leap what's the next virus that's going to hit us what's the next pandemic how do we counter it mm -hmm. and so they look at the viruses they try and coerce them in different directions to go all right if it does this then it will be particularly deadly and we've already pre-built a vaccine for it right okay yep so this is what gain of function is and they're yep. saying if we went in and inspected and made sure that it was all above board and that there was nothing nefarious going on, mm. then that would be a good thing. Mm. Sounds a bit different to the sort of weapons inspector-like system that that Morrison was proposing. Well, this was more like mm. biological weapons. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, that's um, that's how we've got on with this. Shay in the chat room is saying, on Insiders, one of the guests was claiming that other foreign powers were not only impressed but had sought to construct Australian government on how to stand up to China. <laughs> Other countries have asked us for advice on how to conduct a relationship with, or how to stand up to China, how to do I, it I successfully. Or... I, I, th I think that was Macron, wasn't it? Yeah, Macron would be asking us, yeah, wouldn't he? I, I don't think I know. That had to be somebody from the Institute of Public Affairs saying that. Goodness me, as if anyone would want advice from us on how to how to stuff up a relationship with China. That's what we would be good at doing. So, you know, that's where we've come to with China and uh, the fact that the Morrison government thinks that that's its trump card in terms of an election, even 
small target labor is just armed with stuff that they can throw at these guys I, I couldn't imagine a worse topic to try and pick on as your as your best argument as to why people should vote for you labor well, must be I think they were they were hoping that the Australian public have a short memory which they do yeah they do but it's so even the labor party can they've got so many arrows to sh- to fire off and just knock them off with this stuff it should be a piece of cake if it just seems extraordinary to me that that's a topic they would a ground they'd choose to fight on china relationships anyway that's what they're going to do um not going to be jobs and growth it's going to be car key election china 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 and you know maybe you're right because if the general public doesn't remember all that and has no knowledge and just gets beaten over the head with evil, awful China. They had a ship out in international waters that that we were innocently surveilling and got lasered. We really need some strong guys now in in Parliament. Otherwise, who knows what might happen. If they can run that argument successfully. But Albanese uh, condemned the laser firing incident. Yes, yeah. So it's not like he said our, our military were harassing them. Yes, and and it is it's it's very very normal if you have a, a foreign warship in your water mm. that you tail it. Sure. Yeah. What else are you going to do? That's what your job is. Like these guys. That's well, exactly. They, they're out there surveilling. That's they're practicing all the time. They used to surveil submarines like they would be following them and dropping stuff in the ocean, checking where they mm-hmm. were. And so, yeah, a lot of that goes on. And that's goes on all the time. No problem with that. But, yes, the Chinese, wrong to be sending a laser beam and, you know, who knows what harm might eventually happen. So they're not entirely innocent. But, ah, oh dear me. Anyway, we'll see what happens. So that's their hypocrisy. In Parliament, Morrison... I don't think he subscribed. I don't think he called Albanese. I think it was some other guy he described as a Manchurian candidate. So, Manchurian candidate? Did you ever watch that movie, Joe? I never saw it. I'm aware of it. Mm. It's, it's a really, I think it must be an old black and white, very old fashioned sort of movie. But I think. Oh, the book was published in 59, apparently. Yeah. So, essentially, they kind of brainwashed some guy and. It was he the was, deputy Labor leader, Richard Miles. Okay. He was accused of being a Manchurian mm-hmm. candidate where yep. in, in the movie he's sort of brainwashed where he was a normal average patriot and they'd somehow inserted some brainwashing trigger into him which which just needed a, a trigger to happen and then he would convert and become a his, – his ideology would completely switch over. And that's the accusation against Richard Miles, <laughs> a Manchurian candidate. Oh, it's farcical. There was an interesting Darren Brown, the magician, did yeah. an episode where he basically tried to get a guy to the point where he would push somebody off the edge of a, off the roof of a building. Really? Yep. And what happened? Well, that would be giving the uh, show away. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. point you to the episode. Oh, I'm not going to watch it. What happens? Spoiler alert. He, he, I think he did. 
right. He tried. He did try and push him, but obviously there was some safety apparatus there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But but it was setting it up yeah. so that this guy was in a position to push or was in the position to be embarrassed or lose money. I can't remember exactly what it was. Right. But it was all a setup. Right. Because a lot of Darren Brown shows are all about putting people into psychological situations to see how they react. Right. Okay. Anyway, that's Manchurian Candidate. So I've been complaining about mainstream media and in particular I found the ABC really disappointing because, you know, with all this China stuff, they basically just repeat the government's allegation and just say, the government says this, without really providing any context around it. So they're more or less a mouthpiece for the government. I don't think that's the role of the national broadcaster. If the no. if the politicians make outlandish statements, they shouldn't just be repeated. They've really... They've got to give lots of opportunity for the opposition then to contradict that crazy argument or provide somebody else who will contradict it. So I've been finding the ABC really disappointing in, in just spewing forth the mainstream narrative about China. But having said that, and I really don't like David Spears on Insiders, but having said that, he was particularly good with the guy from the Institute of Public Affairs. can't remember his name, but have a listen to this clip as he really gets hold of this guy and he's well prepared. And this is how – we had one last week with the, the spokesperson in the US was confronted by the reporter and said, you're talking about declassified information. What, what declassified information? And the spokesperson said, I just gave it to you. And he said, well, you just said it. That's not proof. You're just saying it. And we're sort of watching and listening to that and thinking, that was good. We should have a bit more of that. And on this occasion, I have to give full marks to Spears and how he handled... It'll come to me at the end of the clip. I'll play this one. All right, let's talk about Richard Miles then. The Prime Minister called him a Manchurian candidate. you disagree? Oh, of course he's not a Manchurian candidate. And the Prime Minister very quickly withdrew that comment. I note when Anthony Albanese made the same comment a day later towards the Prime Minister, he didn't withdraw it. So I think the Labor Party's outrage over this is confected. I mean, I think what we know is happening here, David, is that the Labor Party has the most left-wing leaders since Gough Whitlam. They're very sensitive about their weakness on China and they're very uncomfortable with that now being pointed out. We'll and come to that, but do you have any concerns about Richard Miles? No, I don't have any concerns about his loyalty to Australia. I think he gave a very bad speech in Beijing in what September 2019. That? What was wrong with the speech? Well, he proposed that there should be closer military cooperation between Australia uh, and the People's Liberation Army. That's the same People's Liberation Army that's out there aiming lasers at our uh, Royal Australian Air Force pilots right now. Well, he said in that speech that Australia and China should explore, quote, political cooperation and even defence cooperation. What's wrong about that? I think we shouldn't be cooperating with what has become a very serious strategic adversary that is trying to coerce and intimidate Australia. Because a month after he gave that speech, the Defence Department issued this press release announcing the next round mm. of military exercises with China, Operation Pandaroo. These are military exercises your government, the coalition government, began. How come it's bad for Labor to suggest it, but OK for your side to do it? They were long-standing pre-existing arrangements and what Richard they, Miles no, they, was suggesting... They began under the, under the coalition yes, government, but, 2015. They, but they are long-standing long before Richard Miles' speech, and what he was suggesting is we should take it up an extra tempo, we should increase it even further well, on uh, a political uh, and military level. I'm not sure if you're verbaling uh, him there, Senator. I've got the quotes. He said, our starting point 
has to be that we respect China, deeply value our relationship with China. We must seek to build it, and not just in economic terms, but also through exploring political cooperation and even defence cooperation. He's yep. not saying up the tempo on military well, I think exercises. it's very clear he was. Why, why else would he How make reference clear? to it? If, if all he was saying, David, is we should just continue what we've already been doing, then why did he say it at all? And why has it never been posted on his website? Today, the only place you can read Richard Miles' speech is on my website, not on his. Don't you think that that's a bit strange? Should the Don't Prime you think Minister, that he's obviously the... embarrassed about something in that speech and doesn't want to talk about it? Should the Prime Minister post everything else speeches he gives on his website? I, I don't know. I don't run the Prime Minister's website. It's up to him to post what he wants to post. But I think it's strange that Richard Miles hasn't uh, posted it still today. Should he, the PM, perhaps post his speech he gave to the Christian Churches Congress? Uh, on his that's, that's a matter for the PM, I, okay. uh, David. That was good preparation, obviously, in that interview. Somebody had finally, a journalist had finally done some preparation, had anticipated the answers and was ready some good probing questions and wasn't going to take bullshit. And where he tried to verbal Miles, he said, no, that's not what he said. I've got it right here. Like, that's what they should all be doing all the time. I thought that was that was good work. James Patterson and, was. And also saying, hang on, should the, the Prime Minister be publishing his speeches to the Christian churches? <laughs> Great. Like, that was re really good stuff. Really good stuff. It shines out like a beacon because we just don't get it often enough. But, yeah, it shows it can be done. And I, I thought that was outstanding. And, you know, it even showed things like the Defence Department announced Pandaroo military exercises. Like, we used to be doing military exercises with the Chinese under the Liberal government. I'm just shocked by the name. Pandaroo. <laughs> exactly. Panda, yeah, I hadn't thought of it. You're right. Pandaroo. Panda. Kangaroo. Yep. I mean, seriously, guys. <laughs> Operation Pandaroo. Yep. That is good. There we go. Good work, Spears. More of that, please, from the ABC and for other journalists. Do some homework. Anticipate the answers. Have the quotes on a piece of paper ready to go. Don't accept the bullshit. Stay off Twitter for a day and just read and prepare. All right, that's China. Oh, just the other thing. And the whole, like, the Liberals with guys in charge, the Northern Territory government sold the port of Darwin to a Chinese company. Scott Morrison was the treasurer. I mean... He was the one who could have, with the Foreign Investment Review Board, kiboshed it. I mean, the federal government will try and say it was their decision, not ours, but it was a territory government. The, the, the Commonwealth can override the territory whenever it likes. And you might remember that when the territory decided that um, long tree assisted dying was a good idea and passed laws, Kevin Andrews in the federal government said, no, we can't have that, and quickly passed some laws overriding the state territory. Well, and also Victoria with the Belt and Roads. Yes. Yep, all in favour of that. Like there's just any number of classic examples where Morrison himself was the treasurer, was part of the cabinet at the time. This is not ancient history. It's very recent history. Just shows how desperate they are to try and pick this as a topic to run an election on. Now, Ukraine, I had some stuff which who knows what's going to happen there in terms of the Donbass and whatever. You know, the military-industrial complex will be very happy 
because it just means more reason to spend more money on arms, so that'll be good for them. And so, yeah, it's been very difficult to get the mainstream media to speak properly on China, uh, to hear a, a full contextual position on the Ukraine, even something as simple as Sydney's train debacle yesterday. The Sydney Morning Herald, like Sydney's premier newspaper, was describing it as being caused by a union strike. And it was not the result of a union strike. The union said, we've got drivers, we're ready, we're willing and we're able to run the network as we normally would. It was the government who pulled the pin and stopped the trains, not the unions. But the Sydney Morning Herald was running it and calling it a union strike that caused it. So, I mean, we've come to a point where we expect anything from the Murdoch papers. There used to be a time when you could trust the Fairfax media, but that's since changed, since Nine took over Fairfax and we had Costello in charge of the whole thing. Like, they've gone down the tube. As I said before, often the ABC is quite weak on things and is just repeating LNP press releases. Have you of them ever corrected the fact that the Liberals are not the better economic managers? No, not in the mainstream, no. I, I can't think of any, you know, not even the ABC has fact-checked. No, you won't see any of that. So... We've got to, I think, look outside the mainstream media as to what other options are there for getting information. And it's not just about accurate reporting. It's about the topics that they choose to report or or not report. I mean, really, the ABC, what the hell were you doing reporting on ScoMo washing the hair of that woman in a salon? Like... When you saw that, you should have walked out the door and said, we're not reporting that. This is not news. This is just some well, crazy stuff. interview stunt. his son in Hawaii. Yes, yeah, the fake son, yes. I did do that. 60 Minutes, of course, used to be a great program a long time ago. Now they've got his puff piece. Things like when he walks into a factory and starts doing some amateur welding, there shouldn't be cameras there but just don't go as soon as you see him put on a high-vis vest turn the other way don't show it so abc these guys have screwed you over for years what why would you help them out why because if they don't they're going to be even nastier well that, that's what they're afraid of but let them be nastier so he would have actually had a very tough night the next night at about 2am, Scott Morrison, after that welding. You get a flash and... Did he not wear glasses? Oh, he... he you hadn't seen it? No. Oh, of course, because you don't watch the news. That's, yep. he, he was at this place. They put a welder's protective... Mask. Mask yeah. on him and it was the type that that clicks on when the flash happens. So you look through, oh, yeah. it's clear and it automatically mm. darkens when the flash happens and... The video shows him going up to the thing with the weld and he lifts it up, tacks it, goes flash, and then he pulls it back down again. And you can do serious, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, a flash like that, you'll Ultraviolet. wake up, you'll wake yeah. up at 2 o'clock the next morning with just this as if somebody's rubbing sandpaper on your eyes apparently. Yeah. So that's what would have happened to him the next day and he would have had 
eye drops and an aesthetic happening to him. I'll try and play that next week. It's just worth seeing because he looks so goofy doing it and his hand comes in from the side trying to stop him from lifting the, the thing but it's too late. You know, mainstream media, ABC at least, don't go. Don't show that shit. Don't pander to that. Part of it is what are they showing? Is it accurate? It's not so much is it accurate but what are they even showing? No, I, I did hear an allegation, a rumour that Frydenberg was pushing for a Liberal Party spill because he was worried. He basically didn't want Dutton to be the next Prime Minister. Right. So there was, there's, well, join, that, get in the queue, Frydenberg. That, that, that Scotty is going to lose and so dump him now, get Frydenberg in just to stop Dutton taking over. Right. Well, at the rate they're both going, the both of them will probably quite possibly not be in the next parliament anyway. So mm-hmm. both Frydenberg and Dutton are in serious trouble. Oh, fingers crossed. Mm. I, yeah, I've been in this electorate for 17 years now and every time they vote him back in, so I can't see him losing. Yes, yeah. Anyway, oh, dear listener, what are we up to? 8.35. Okay, I think there's a problem with mainstream media in terms of what they choose to talk about and then the accuracy and the context surrounding what they do report. And really the question is, where else can we get information to try and work out what's going on in this world? So I think you need to have a combination of different things. Books, yes, real books, independent news organisations, blogs, newsletters, podcasts, maybe follow some people on Twitter, maybe some things on YouTube. I think, I mean, when you when you understand what Chomsky was saying about manufacturing consent, when you've got these large media organisations who rely on advertising, then they have to produce stuff that will keep their advertisers happy. And advertisers with lots of money don't like articles that criticise people who have lots of money and might, for example, suggest taxing people with lots of money or regulating people with lots of money. People with power won't appreciate news items that talk about decreasing the power that they have. So there's an inherent problem in that the large media organisations, in order to sustain themselves, have to pander to a particular powerful group and consequently we don't get the information we need about those powerful groups that that information can't come from those sources because they'll go out of business if they start criticizing the hand that feeds them so it's really up to the smaller independent sources as to getting information because they don't care like on this podcast I have no sponsors that I need to worry about. But also I've seen a, a a lot of who I thought were independent thinkers chasing the right-wing money Yes, in the last couple of years. Correct. People who used to seem to be rational have been spouting more, more and more radical views. Yep. And, and I think that's to do with following the money – there's a large disaffected audience who are willing to throw money at these people as long as they spout from the hip sheet. 
Correct. A classic example would be someone like Dave Rubin, who had a sort yeah. of an online talk show where he was doing quite well, interviewing the likes of Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris and a whole bunch of other people from the intellectual dark web in particular. And in order to maintain the support base that he developed, what he found was that the people who were paying him the most money were from the right. And if he was to do anything that would be leftish in any sense, then those people would abandon him. So he became more and more right pandering to a particular audience that he'd found. So this is where I still admire someone like Sam Harris because I still think he says things that are objectionable to that right wing. So he was, you know, merciless in his scathing assessment of Trump along the whole way. So he would have had a lot of potential Trump supporters and he would have lost a lot of supporters because of his continual rightful bashing of Trump, but Sam Harris was prepared to do it. But I think his model, and he talks about it often, is good because he does have a cross-section and he's getting enough money from what he's doing that he can feel that he can say whatever he wants to without it having a significant impact on his finance. So, Isn't he a university professor anyway? I don't think he does that anymore. I think he's just okay. relying on sort of Patreon-type stuff, yep, and mm. an app for meditation and things like that. I don't think he does any of that stuff. You need people who are independent in the sense that they feel they can say things and it's not going to affect them financially so they can be sort of fearless in saying stuff. And there is a risk that some of these commentators will naturally maybe acquire, for example, a right-wing audience and and because they get greedy and they want more and more money, they will pander to that right-wing audience. So even though realistically they could say whatever they like, they might lose a third of their audience overnight if they were to come out with something uh, mm-hmm. of a strong leftish bent. So there is that. The most independent or ones... Or even a strong pro-vaccine bent. Yes, yeah. The most independent ones you'll get, people doing it, where it's not their source of income that they're actually relying on. <laughs> because yeah. if everybody disappeared from the Patreon because of something I'd said, well, big deal. Like, you know. Yeah. Or if you even or at least be aware, like not everyone's perfect because you'd say, okay, well, I know this guy's got a strong right-wing audience or a strong left-wing audience, and maybe he says things and you know, maybe it's hard to find these people who are truly independent and what you then have to do is pick one from the left and one from the right so you hear from both sides, for example. I remember growing up just listening to French radio mm. and, and it was interesting because their current affairs were just different. I was hearing about different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So obviously the UK, I'd hear all about the former colonies, the, f- the former British colonies. Yep. But France, I was hearing all about the uh, independence movement in New Caledonia. Yes. Which I heard nothing about in the UK. Sticking to mainstream media gives you a very narrow cross-section. You know, it's not a cross-section. It's a very narrow channel of what's going on in the world. Time to break out, dear listener, and time to explore some other sources. You can do this two ways, really. You can go onto these sites and subscribe to their newsletters and your inbox will be filled with news um, 
emails from these groups. Or you could use an RSS feed reader where you basically – do you use that, Joe? I see you nodding your head. Do you yeah. Use one? Yeah, you use one? Which one do you use? I'm on a Mac, so it's a different one. I bought a bundle of software and I'm using News Explorer, it's called. But right. there's another one which was called – it was the name of some European city, yep. which is an open source one. Yep. Okay. So there's different RSS uh, feed readers out there, dear listener. Um, I use one called InnoReader, which costs me a couple of dollars a month or something like that. So essentially, if you find people that you want to follow, you can go onto their blog, for example, and it teaches you, you just sort of subscribe, and as they do blog posts, that it'll all appear in this one sort of app that you can – and it saves clogging up your inbox – find it useful anyway otherwise you start getting just dozens and dozens of emails so so think about that or just subscribe and just start getting newsletters so in terms of blogs top of the list i'd have to say john menadu blog if you are not subscribed to their newsletter or you're not subscribed via an rss feed reader then do it now there you go that, yep. that's my rss feed there you go so that pearls and irritations is the so that picture of this shell is John Menager, yep. So, yep. Yep. And you, the way that it sort of appears in a magazine style format in your, in an app. So, and you can quickly read the headline, decide if it's an article you want to read or not read. So, John Menager blog, I think um, well qualified people with good experience, particular on the China and Ukraine matters, people who are former diplomats, uh, people with real world experience giving their opinions, and I find that uh, a really good source. That would be number one. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Second source of my favourite would be would be Crikey at the moment. I'm really enjoying Crikey. I see it as a good independent source, and, of course, that's one that's a paid subscription, but it's not that expensive and definitely worth giving a go. For the number of articles you get, I think it's well worth the money. They did an excellent series on religious groups as well not so long ago. I find they are obviously on the left side, but I think they're fair in their criticism of this shambolic liberal government. And I think they'll be pretty fair in their condemnation of whatever the Labor Party gets up to when, if, if and when it gets in next. So John Manadu Bog, crikey, that would be a really good starting point. Now, in terms of conversation? Look, the conversation, I, I've, stopped, miss, I've but... stopped trawling through it. I found there was too many misses and not enough hits and I found okay. it a bit. Conversation is supposed to be articles by academics written in a style mm-hmm. which is easily digestible for the layman. But I just found their stuff a bit weak at the end of the day quite often. So I just went a long time without finding anything useful. I kind of... Dropped yeah, off okay. with the conversation. But give that one a go, the conversation. Just on independent media. I mean, The Guardian is good. It's free. This thing called Independent Australia. It's a free place to go. Website, sort of a news type website. Has some good writers there. You were talking about earlier, Joe, Al Jazeera, you thought was not bad, provided it was not on Middle Eastern issues. Was that right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. I mean, it was certainly when you're looking at European news or US news, mm. It was a slightly, I wouldn't say unbiased, but certainly a different viewpoint than right. you'll hear in the Western media. Yeah. 
And quite often you'll hear some of the background that is less less flattering. Yep. Worth giving a try. And you also mentioned uh, Deutsche Welle, is it? Deutsche Welle. DW.com, which is German World Service. Yeah. That's as sort of independent news organisations. Just getting back to blogs. So I mentioned John Menadue, which is really a blog. Michael West is good. The Michael Hudson is good. If you want to talk about economics, he was the guy who I did the super imperialism episode on. He blogs about different things to do with economic issues. Janis Ferrifakis. There's a group called Mint Press News. So this maybe should appear under independent media rather than a blog, but Mint Press News is quite left-wing, but you get lots of good stuff on there. And there's a lady called Caitlin Johnston. Have you heard of her, Joe? Caitlin Johnston? No, I don't think so. She's a blogger and she's just got a really good turn of phrase, good writing style. A lot of it is bashing of imperialist America. So she concentrates a lot on that because as she sees it, it's the most important topic in the world and you can't talk about it often enough. So check out Caitlin Johnston. Have you heard of Bellingcat? I have. But so they were they were the group, they're open source journalism. Right. Or citizen journalism. Yeah. And so they do a lot of internet searches and putting together things like photographs from a news event and then using Google Earth to look at where it was and what time of day, given the shadows, and doing lots of research behind stories. Okay. And they were the ones, if you remember the, who was the Russian opposition leader who got put I, I can't remember his name, but he returned to Russia and got thrown in jail, that one? Yes. So they were involved in tracking down the FSB operatives and then got him to call up one of the guys pretending he was a superior officer and asking them why, why the operation screwed up. Uh-huh. And they recorded the whole conversation. It's a half an hour long conversation okay. with this guy going, so what went wrong with the mission? How, how come you didn't kill him? Yep. And uh-huh. it was actually the guy they tried to kill. Uh-huh. asking these questions uh-huh. and they're going well you know everything went according to plan we did yeah. everything we had to we smeared the poison on his underwear and we yep. went in afterwards to clean it up yep. and so they have this yep. full confession right just didn't put enough poison in his underwear i can't remember yeah. well it was just he collapsed in germany and the german doctors were curious enough to just try something that managed to cancel the right. an antidote right German efficiency is what is what brought them undone, basically. But and it was Russian inefficiency that undid the FSB. Right. The corruption is so bad that you can buy the passport database. Okay, and the FSB had bought a block or have been allocated a block of sequential numbers of passports, and so you go through these records and the addresses are all an FSB barracks in Moscow. Right. Okay. So that's Belling. So they were that's Belling cat. Be- Belling cat, right. as in putting a bell on a cat. Okay. Belling cat. Yep. All right. Check that one out. Podcasts. Philip Adams' Late Night Live still gets some good guests, but um, it's patchy. I found one recently, actually, I quite liked called Decoding the Gurus. Have you heard of that one, Joe? No. So they look at so-called gurus like Jordan Peterson and mm-hmm. guys like that, and basically 
analyse what they are saying. And it's Australian guy. Well, as an Australian guy and an Irish guy, the Irish guy's got this really strange staccato voice that's sort of off-putting initially, but they're quite good. So decoding the gurus. If you are deciding you want to follow somebody like heaven forbid, Jordan Peterson or, or or someone like that, type in to Google before you start, you know, Jordan Peterson criticism or anybody like this. Just type their mm-hmm. name and criticism and then see what the alternative story is before you get too far into following them. But uh, Decoding the Gurus, not a bad podcast. And otherwise, I'm looking for new podcasts because I can't. I've sort of fallen out of I've love with a lot of them. Been listening to Behind the Bastards. Right which is more historical. Right. And they usually do a two-episode per person. And so we've had Robert Baden-Powell, who was the leader of the Boy Scout movement, the Percy Maxim, I think it was, the inventor of the Maxim machine gun. Okay. But they've also had Jeff Bezos, more modern people as well. Is it American? So there's, it is American, and unfortunately the guy, the main presenter, who is a historian or at least an amateur historian, generally invent, invites a co-host on with him. Right. And the co-host is a comedian, and they they go off into little sidetracks, but the actual the, the, the content is good. Right. And they did he did a six-parter on his own, which was all about the January 6th insurrection. Right. And it was exploring the different groups and what led up to the insurrection. Okay, behind the bastards, I'll give that one a go. But the this- assault on America is the other episode. The other, and that's a that's the name of the podcast or the episode. No, the assault on America is the name of the podcast. Okay, yep. It's um, eight eight episodes long. Yep. I, and I, that's just about January sixth. Yeah, I was listening to Hep, the guys from Planet X, Planet America, Planet Extra, but okay, uh, yeah. Just went on a bit too much, maybe a bit like what I'm doing right now. But having said that, dear listener, like at the end of the day, articles, blogs, podcasts, it's a little bit of uh, fast food, really. It's a fast food hit. Really books are where you're going to learn the most and then you'll be able to put the fast food in its proper context. So let's talk about some books that – you should think about and number one I would reckon The Shock Doctrine by Naomi Klein was a really good one it showed what's happened in Latin America and other countries when disasters occur and the IMF comes in and international multinational companies come in and basically rape the local population shocking and eye-opening and a good read so the shock doctrine by naomi klein would be a good one to start with in terms of understanding how power works and i did a review of the jakarta method by vincent bevins i quite liked that book which was another example of just pure military skullduggery by america in terms of indonesia chile guatemala excellent sort of demonstration of of what's going on there. The Divide by Jason Hickel looked at, again, Latin American countries and how wealth has just been extracted from them and it's made it very difficult for them to get on their feet. The Global Cold War by Odd Arn Wested, not bad, really demonstrates that a lot of the time the 
Soviet Union was basically, you know, the sort of the myth is that the Soviet Union was, well, it's not the myth, but the story is that the Soviet Union was really encouraging the growth of communism in various communist-friendly countries around the world. It's a domino theory. Yeah. And really in this book he explains a lot of the time the Soviet Union was telling these countries, slow down, don't do anything, just you're not ready yet, don't do it. So, which is what, you know, they said to, to Mao as well was, don't do it, you're not ready yet. So, you know, it's so much for sort of pushing communism. A lot of the time they're actually dissuading these communist cells from taking action. This view of life by David Sloan Wilson in terms of human biology is good. If you're not reading a book on the go all the time and you're just consuming articles, then you're really just consuming fast food. You need some books and it'll give proper context to what's going on because we are being misled. If you are watching mainstream media, you are not getting the context of what's happening, why these events are taking place, and you're not really understanding what's going on. Yeah, that would be my recommendation. Game of Mates is another book. Right. For sort of political machinations, is that right? This is about corruption in politics, mostly um, local government, Mm -hmm. but is a Queensland Uni and a Sydney Uni professor Mm -hmm. who wrote it. Okay. So it was how do people get captured by the system yeah. How do we how do we fix it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, dear listener, I mean, we're in trouble, aren't we? I mean, we're in an information age where realistically so much information is available, but it's now been contaminated so much that we don't know what to trust. So the only way is to arm yourself with knowledge so that you can spot snake oil salesmen and avoid their arguments. And... Really, the only way is to educate yourself and you're going to have to do it by breaking out of mainstream media where there is a natural incentive not to question existing power structures because they're the people paying the advertising fees and there's a conflict of interest there. Craig B in the chat room says, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe and and yes, Craig has mentioned Behind the Bastards to me via some email. You, you haven't listened to... Skeptics Guide to the Universe? I, I'm across a lot of skeptics stuff mm. and I'm actually in a Discord group with the UK skeptics and so I get to hear a lot of the stuff firsthand by the time it gets onto Skeptics Guide. The same with Skeptics with a K, which is the Merseyside Skeptics Group. Yep. They they talk a lot of science and critical thinking, but generally I've heard a lot of the information already in, in the weekly discussions. Yep. Yep. And of course, my friend Cam Riley with his various podcasts. Bullshit Factor. Uh, and, and the Cold bullshit War. Bullshit Filter. Yeah, Bullshit Filter and the Cold War podcast. They're good as well. Like I mentioned those, otherwise Cam would never forgive me, <laughs> except he doesn't listen to this anyway, so he'd probably never know. All right. Well, that's enough rambling for this episode. Yeah, you've got the picture. We need to arm ourselves with information so that we can sort the wheat from the chaff. There's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of things said and repeated a lot of press releases from Scott Morrison that are just repeated verbatim, even on things like the ABC. And in order to get the context of why things are explore outside and create your own little custom-made 
sources and a list of sources and if you if you can't find something independent then grab a bit of left and a bit of right so that you can see what's happening on both sides so all right we'll see you next week shay will be back as well and we'll talk to you then bye for now and it's a good night from him well dear listener did you enjoy that episode of the podcast if you did i've got a favor to ask uh first up tell some friends let them know about the podcast You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said and when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf on their phone and, uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from $1.50 Australian to I think $10 and various ones in between. It's really, what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just, it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less but in any event you can subscribe there if you don't like the idea of a regular subscription the website has a link to a paypal donation so you could just do a one-off donation every now and again so there you go it'd be good to uh spread the word get a few more listeners and that way look if we ended up getting more listeners and more money we could do maybe a second episode or more special episodes provide some more content so it's up to you if you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.